everyone. And I think it's going to be a good year, at least what I'm thinking about for CW Radio. Everything else, who knows. But for my first episode of the new year, my guest is Catherine Swazik, who is an amazing artist and the brains behind the Small Bitty Gallery, which, if you don't know, is a 112th scale gallery that, in my mind, lives on the internet as photographs, but she might beg to differ. One of the many things that interested me with Catherine's work is her examination of place, and in particular, her extraordinary images of Albany. That look at Albany in terms of time and place. Our conversation about Albany got me thinking about time and place, and my own experience in living in that city throughout the past 30 years, going back and forth, and how each time I left, I always felt like that chapter was ending, and that was pretty interesting. And for me, at its best, Albany is a beautiful, small city that can nourish you. And here I'm really thinking about Albany in the 90s when I first moved there. And it was my first experience in living in a city, I guess, something I had always wanted to do, having, you know, grown up in the country, being bored out of my mind. But it had a real vibe to it. And there was a pulse, um, and it was kind of intoxicating. And Albany, I guess at its worst, is just like the last stop on the long road of desolation. And no offense, Albany. But Albany has some scrap to it. And you can never... Count it out. And that led me to this month's tune to start off the new year. Because as John Hendricks sings on in In Walked Bud, he says, we really got into something. And for me, that defines so many nights in Albany, hanging with my pals, we really got into something. So enjoy the show. Bye. 
So, well, again, thanks for doing this and being here. And I, <laughs> I reached out to you, I don't know, it was like months ago, right? And then I kind of like lost track. And then I finished the year of Collarworks Radio just like, I don't know what happened. It just like, it got crazy and... Um, you didn't make it on, but now you'll be the first one for the new year. Nice. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a couple of things I thought would be interesting to talk about and, um, and we, we showed together in Albany and you were part of that panel discussion at Albany center gallery, um, which was fun, but, uh, I thought it'd be cool to have you on and talk like a little bit more about your work and then also, like talk about the um, the small Benny Gary a little bit, you know. We don't have to talk about it too much, but I, I do think it's like really quite interesting um, that you do that. And um, you know who? I'm trying to remember because your name came up in a meeting months ago. I think when I reached out to you, um, I think Star Herrera recommended you. Do you know her? She just showed in the gallery. <laughs> okay. Oh, cool. Oh, right. Yeah. But that was months ago. So she was like, yeah. you you have to talk to um, Catherine and get more info from her. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Um, now, actually, before we go too far, because I, I think I asked you at Albany Center Gallery, but how do you pronounce your last name? Swazik. It's pronounced almost like an SW, like Swazik. Oh, okay. My students call me Miss C, though. I see. <laughs> what's the What's the background on that? What like What's the nationality of that? Polish. Polish. Oh, okay, interesting. Now, did you grow up around here? I actually grew up out near Binghamton, <clears throat> um, but I've been in Albany for a little over a decade at this point. Oh, really? Okay. Where, like, so really far out west. In like two and a half hours from here. Oh, okay. Because I was reading like your um, your artist statement, and you mentioned like the idea of home, and um, you talk about memory and architecture and all that stuff. Sorry, I just have to take a sip. Um, and I was wondering if you were like a you had a local connection to like growing up here. No, I landed here in college and it ended up being a really good fit. Although this is home now for sure. Uh-huh. So what was the good fit? I'm curious about that. Um, I ended up coming here um, to go to St. Rose when they mm -hmm. had an art ed program <laughs> um, and ended up finishing undergrad and then came back the year after to do my grad program there and ended up just moving into an apartment Um and now I own a home in Albany. Oh, okay. And so you just really liked the program? You felt like it was... I liked the program, but I also liked the city. It's uh -huh. kind of a neat mix of um, having elements of a city where there's things within walking distance and there's lots of parks and museums and things to go to. Um, mm -hmm. But it also doesn't feel as crowded as a city all the time. I'm kind of um, over towards... Pine Hills and the hospitals. Mm -hmm. So it feels, it's a good mix of urban and suburban. Mm -hmm. I was curious about that. Cause like in your artist statement, you mentioned the plaza and the idea of that architecture replacing what used to be there. And I guess we can start there. I mean, I had, um, I was just really interested in like your relationship with, the idea of architecture, like memory and time, I, f I find those things like really kind of fascinating together. And I was wondering if you could talk like a little bit more about how some of those ideas um, infer like your work and maybe even specifically like what is your interest in the plaza or, or like that space? So I think I started really getting into architecture. Um, mostly as a visual way to manipulate space, but I started uh, exploring space um, 
primarily through places connected with my own personal history. Um, and of course, as the years went on, more and more of that became places from Albany um, and the capital region. Uh, and I didn't realize, I didn't learn until a couple of years of living in, the, in Albany, um, the history of, I mean, every city kind of changes and evolves, but I didn't realize how much of a dramatic impact and series of events the plaza was. Um, I didn't know until a couple of years ago that the entire neighborhood was bulldozed in the 60s, which isn't even that long ago. There's still people that remember living through all the construction and all the noise down there. Mm. Um, so I think I had started using elements of the plaza just as um, really recognizable, like landmark kind of forms, like anyone from the area will immediately recognize um, the Corning Tower or the egg. Um, so it started out as kind of a fun way to to catch people's eye that way. Um, and then I started finding more and more, um, there's tons of historical archives of photos from a couple of history groups on Flickr. And um, as I started kind of looking through this these historical archives, the first few pieces that I made were um, entirely composites of places that don't exist anymore. Um, and then I started recognizing places in some of the photos. I'd be like, oh, wait, do I know where that building is? Have I walked past that one? Um, and sort of started combining, I guess that's where more of the, the element of time is sort of woven in and out of my work. Um, but that's where time started coming back in when I started finding the connection between past photos and buildings and the present threads that were still recognizable. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's really, that's interesting. It, and it's such a, it's a great point about Albany and like it in relation to, well, everything you just said, but I, I used to live in a, a building down um, in Arbor Hill and one of the guys that lived in the building used to talk about how growing up, he's a lifelong Albany person and how, um, how most of his childhood was just a construction zone. And I was like, oh, my God, I've never thought about that, you know, um, and just it, it, it's such a it's a such 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 a giant architectural statement. It, it looks like it's always been there, you know, but then to think like, oh, my God, there was like a whole neighborhoods that were here and now they're just gone. And like you said, like 1960, that's not long ago. Um, it's really quite new in the scheme of things. Um, so, yeah, I guess I was interested in like your relationship to, to all of that, specifically that point of Albany and that also like, um, uh, you know, it, it is such a, such a key, you know, figure of the landscape. Um, I was kind of thinking about that. Um, and what, you know, was there a, a statement there or because some some people, I guess, if you go back far enough, are still kind of mad about it. <laughs> you know? yeah, and understandably, I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I found out after about four or five years of living here that, oh, wait, yeah, no, of course, that wasn't always there. I mean, that's obvious. But I didn't realize, like, how much of a controversy it was and how yeah. much it impacted the city. I mean, it drove out. Uh, just numbers of families um, and not just families like, you know, single folks too and older people, but um, yeah, it really changed the city. Like there were entire um, church dioceses that ended up moving out to the suburbs. It um, probably was connected a lot with a huge migration to the suburbs because mm -hmm. all of a sudden those homes weren't there. Yeah. So going back to, your work i want to just back up a little bit that was like the first thing i was um curious about but i was looking at your work on your website and it really has this like kind of trajectory uh it seems to start more abstract um and there's like hints of a space there but it's not like super evident um, and then it becomes like so even your latest work. Um, it, it's also like it's switching from kind of like um, eth ethereal 
you know, there's like colors overlaying. And now it's kind of taken this twist of being like very, has this graphic quality to it or the way that you're using the the wood cutting process. So I was curious, like in your mind, how did that change or what happened in that time? It really is the change in process. Um, the more ethereal stuff that you mentioned, that's a little more layered and abstract is mm-hmm. all done with intaglio etching. Um which is a wonderful process. I love it. I love being able to layer and push and pull different shades of gray. And then I can work in with those um, values as colors later. The problem with Intaglio from a practical standpoint is you need a place to etch, um, which usually involves some amount of chemicals. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm not at the point where I'm comfortable doing that in my own home. So I was, you know, renting a studio for a while. And then a few years ago, I got a chance to, um, sign up for and pay for a class on um, wood cutting. It was through a program called Big Ink. Um, and that was exactly the challenge. It jumped in. I think the minimum size was a two foot by three foot wood cut. So it was kind of a way to start big for sure. Um, and through that program, I ended up making a six foot by three foot wood cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of hooked me in hooked me on the process, even though every time I start a woodcut, I'm like, oh, I miss my shades of gray. Mm. Um, it did really force me to tighten up and sharpen up um, the way that I was approaching the architecture and being much more clear about what this building is. And um, I can still find ways to like merge buildings and have one wall kind of crumble into another. And I can still do things like that, but it's definitely not the sort of feathery approach that um, etching has. Mm-hmm. Now, the- it's Wait, what was that? I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Oh, I said it's been good. It's something that I can do um, at home. The other nice thing about woodcut is that I can do it anytime I have a couple minutes in between, you know, grading and lesson planning. So it's a little more accessible. <laughs> Just jump in and make a couple cuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious about like your, when did you get into printmaking? Um, I think I took printmaking as an elective course in my undergrad program at St. Rose. Mm -hmm. Um, And I studied under Chris Tolme, who's an amazing artist, like wonderful teacher, just such a good person. Um, And she just made it so much fun that even though my degree was in painting and art ed, um, when it came time to go in for grad school, even though that degree was technically painting and art ed, I was doing a lot of combining um, painting with printmaking or printmaking with sculpture. And it sort of started to become less of a clear cut um, genre discipline. Mm-hmm. Cause well, I'm curious, like at this point, um, cause your work now is this kind of genre defying thing it's sculptural it's drawing it's painting it's printmaking but the look of the woodcut is so much a part of it but it almost seems like you could skip that part i'm curious like why keeping the woodcut it's really funny that that's the language that you use because the last piece that i finished i did literally skip the printmaking i just made a wood sculpture and i carved the um the lines and image right into it so it was all these fragments of wood coming off the wall that were carved and i stained some of them so you'd have contrast between the surface and the carved area but yeah it was printmaking without the printmaking <laughs> uh-huh so it was like you were showing the wood cut like the actual piece yeah. of wood <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by that. I guess that little piece. And I think we talked a little bit about this during the Albany Center Gallery um, interview because it's not like the work is an addition. You know, like a, when I think of printmaking, I typically think of like, you know, this is one of 10 or, you know, something like that. But you're using it almost as like this singular statement. I'm doing both. Um, the additions I haven't really shown much lately, uh-huh. um, just because I feel like the work is more interesting when it's also a sculpture or there's more mm-hmm. going on than just one flat image. Um, but the additions are more 
affordable. So I do still do them. I usually do a small, like maybe a five print run um, uh -huh. and sell a few of those on the side too. Oh, okay. Um, and those would be, are those like the, um, the, the woodcut image that's on the sculptural thing? The sculpture, the one that I just mentioned where I skipped uh -huh. the printmaking, I literally, it, there was no piece of paper involved <laughs> yeah, um, because it was already cut into pieces of wood and it would have been really hard to ink and print. Um, mm. Some of the other pieces prior to that particular one, um, I was printing, you know, a small edition and then I'd print one or two that I'd be able to cut into and then wrap those around a sculptural form. So those mm. sculptures that you see on my website that are mostly the the black and white with the wood as well, those are a print on paper that's been cut and wrapped around a sculpture mm -hmm. that I've built. So in like using architecture to like play with the space in the sculptural aspect of your work, I'm kind of curious like what's like what's driving that? Like um it, I guess I'm asking that because in like you're still on the wall or like the things that I see, um, but they have this dimensionality to them. And I'm kind of curious like where that comes from or what that instinct is to, to do that. I think it kind of just started out as um, an experiment. Um, mm -hmm. What happens if I combine painting and printmaking or what happens if I start bringing collage in? And then of course from collage, the step to what isn't that far off. Um, so it started out as an experiment, but I guess I stuck with it because I feel like the result is more interesting than if I were just to do the printmaking. Uh -huh. um, it allows for a little bit more variety in how I approach the layering, whether it's cutting up the print or whether it's adding transparent elements on top or, um, mm -hmm. and it adds another way to push and pull the space other than just on a flat surface. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, you bring up a good point there about the, the layering. Um, is that something you've always been interested in in your work? Yeah, I guess it kind of has been um, since I really started, you know, being an artist and going to school for it. I guess I had started out with like layered um, still lives and objects and I was doing stacks of books and using those as just forms to push and pull the space. So uh, I guess layering has been a big part of it all along. Mm -hmm. It's something like definitely like I think about in my own work, um, like the, I think, it, where, where was I talking? I was talking with, oh, a friend of mine. And I like, I, I think at this point, I kind of feel like um, in some ways, like a collage artist who uses photography and the computer to put stuff together. And um, we were talking and I, and I said, just, I, I don't know that the scariest thing for me would be to like, just be handed like a, a, a blank canvas and say like, Oh, go ahead and start doing something. Um, like I always need to have a prompt or like either if it's a photograph or like maybe I see something and I'm like, oh, maybe I can use that, you know. Um, but I guess in what in your work, I mean, you are kind of starting out with the blank canvas am i right in assuming that or, or is there something um, else there I usually start with drawings that are based on photos or sometimes actual on-site sketches if it's a place that still exists mm -hmm. um so i am looking at photos i guess the layering really comes from um throughout the variety of approaches of approaches that i've taken it's a way to show different things at the same time whether it's um like i did a series of pieces based on um, people's homes throughout Albany County, where I would interview them about the home. Um, some of these were homes that these people had moved out of years ago and were just like looking back on. Some of them were places that they just moved into. Um, I'd interview them about the home and get their kind of experience with it. And then I'd go to that site and draw it. And so those pieces were kind of a layered um, interpretation of 
their experience or emotional um, attachments to the home and then my own like visual um, observations of it. And then the pieces where time comes in, um, layering is a way to kind of show a mix of past or past and present or whatever it is that I'm exploring in a piece. Hmm. That's interesting. So you would enter, were these strangers? Um, a few of them were actually. Really? A couple of them were closer friends, but a few of them were strangers. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. It, would you, so did you just go and knock on the door? <laughs> no, I didn't quite um, hit that level of needing folks to interview for. This was a project that I received um, a grant through the, well, what's formally known as the Decentralization Grant Program run by the Art Center. Mm-hmm. Um and the project that I was doing was combining these interviews and sort of more interactive approach to art making. Um, and so I had put up flyers and had reached out to people that I thought might know someone um, to see if they want to talk about somewhere that they've lived in Albany County. So huh. there were a few people that I knew or, or were strangers that were kind of friends of friends. Gotcha. Oh, that's kind of cool. And would you, what was it about the, what did you take from the interview that how much of the information from the interview helped in the interpretation? Um, I mean, they were all so different just because people are so different. Some people would just like love to talk about all of the, the fond memories that they had of a place or Mm -hmm. um, would talk about how different their life had been in that sort of state and place um, and then some people would be like two word answers like, oh, yeah, I remember the curtains were blue. I <laughs> could remember. Um, uh, so it was pretty interesting. There that, were a couple of points where I found things out through the interviews that I wouldn't have known otherwise and that made it into the final piece. There's a, a sculpture I made based on a house on Partridge right in the middle of Pine Hills. Um, and the woman who lived there had lived there during her time in college in like the eighties. Um, I think she called the neighborhood pine thrills at the time, Oh, funny. but she had this like wheat pasted, like giant wall sized, like she described it as tacky, but it, she called it like a tacky sunset on the wall with like orange fading into yellow and blue. Um, and I ended up doing a gradient like color roll in the final piece that was the orange fading into blue. And it was like everybody's favorite part of the piece. So. Oh, OK. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did, did you give them the works when you were done or did or no? No, um, no. I ended up selling a few of them. Um, one person who had done the interview bought the piece that was connected with their home. I gave away a few of um, the flat prints on paper. Mm hmm. Um, where they were just like the etching printed on paper um, just because the sculpture, they're so time consuming right, um, right. To, to recoup some of the expenses in the project. Sure. Um, you mentioned in that um, way back about being at the place and sketching the building. Um, does that always happen? Is that like an important part of just seeing the place with your own eyes? It's nice. Um, it doesn't always happen. There's pieces that I've made. I mean, obviously with places that don't exist anymore where I've been mm-hmm. relying on historical photos. Um, but even the pieces where I'm combining past and present, I usually try to at least get to take photos of a site, even if I don't have time to draw. Or um, I actually went into the art center a couple months ago and was able to go with um, a staff member upstairs to the floors that are vacant. And um, I didn't have time to draw them, but I was able to take pictures and um, take a ton of pictures, which were um, layered into the the final piece through drawings. Mm -hmm. I saw that on your website. That was really, that's really beautiful, that piece. Thank you. And I was thinking about where on River Street that was. Okay, so it was the Art Center. Yep. What prompted you to go up there? Um, Belinda had organized a show there or she had put out a call for um, essentially a call for proposals. She was doing a show that was sketchbook centered. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So the, the idea of it was basically that each artist who um, 
had agreed to be in the show or submitted to be in the show would get a small sketchbook that they'd have to fill up, you know, X number of pages of, and that they would show the sketchbook in the gallery along with a resulting piece, which was mm-hmm. really um, a fun and interactive show. So you'd be able to go through and you'd flip through the sketchbooks and see if you could find whose work was on the wall or where it was. And it was an, a nice way, I think, for a lot of people who are visiting to see the process behind an artist's or the the thoughts that go into an artist's final artwork that's to see the process, Mm. Um, especially for some folks who had visited who weren't artists themselves. It was just like, oh, wait, this doesn't come out of nowhere. There's there's a process here. There's a a point A to B to C to Q to whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's do you are you good about keeping a sketchbook? Sometimes, not always. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not. Usually a big part of the process. A lot of it's just like tracing paper though so that i can layer and kind of preview pieces and move things around a little easier okay is that how you use tracing paper to make those yeah you usually do some some sketches in a sketchbook some sketches Mm -hmm. on tracing paper um some drawings based on photos that end up on tracing paper and then i can start Mm -hmm. uh, arranging and rearranging and when when you were in so you went to St. Rose to, to, to be an art teacher, right? Is that yeah. your, your initiative? Yeah. Um, but in high school, your background was, you basically did a lot of drawing and painting, I'm going to assume. Um, high school, I took every art class that I could fit in my schedule. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think I really had like a dead set focus on painting. It just seemed like the the concentration that made the most sense. I think my other options would have been um, photography, sculpture. I didn't really know what printmaking was at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was about it. There weren't that many other options that made sense for me at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Although in hindsight, I'm not sure it really would have mattered what I had taken. Right. Although that um, printmaking as an elective turned out to be key. Yeah. Well, it's just, I'm so curious because like you use kind of everything, you know, it seems like you there's this sculptural aspect, there's this, the photography, the drawing and painting, the printmaking. It's like almost every discipline <laughs> is mentioned there. Um where like, you know, me personally, I'm just like so, I don't want to say rigid, but I feel so, well, I guess in talking to you, I feel so limited in the, <laughs> like, like the sculptural thing. And um, yeah, there's just all this stuff that like comes together. Um, I find so interesting that it all happens, you know, with success, I guess. Um, well, that, that took some time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really, the, I think the only thing missing is like the computer. I mean, I guess I'm kind of combing archives on a computer, but yeah. Yeah. The yeah. digital processes don't feel quite as natural. Yeah. I, can, I can still do like layering and things that way. And I've tried it a few times. That just doesn't mm-hmm. feel natural. I guess that's my one like stopping point is it never, no matter how much time I put into experimenting in Photoshop or whatever. It never really yeah. feels right. No, I mean, you mentioning that um, using tracing paper to kind of try things out. I was like, oh, you could probably do something in a computer that would be similar. But, you know, um, if you're not inclined, then it would just seem weird, I guess, or probably more like work, you know. Um, one thing I was thinking about with with your work in terms of um the content um like you're you're using architecture and it you know which has this implied kind of um what do i want to call it like a, an, an implied um purpose to architect like people use architecture and some of those are homes and this kind of goes back a little bit about your um project you did with uh, i think it was the art center about interviewing people so there's like an emotional connection there um at times and i'm just curious about like your thoughts on like public and like 
private spaces and is there anything in in the work that is dealing with that i mean because so, some of the work that you mentioned um just in like the title it's like you know someone's home so i'm kind of curious about the idea of home in what you're thinking about in that yeah it's something that i guess has also kind of come in and out of the work that i'm doing sometimes i'm more focused on um, public spaces or on um, areas connected to the plaza. Sometimes I am more focused on a, a, a more narrow lens. Um, and it's kind of always an ongoing question of how do you bring an emotional attachment into like architecture? I feel like visually can be so like cold. And like when I think of the plaza, that's brutalist or international or whichever mm-hmm. style, kind of a, a mix of both. Um, and it's really imposing and kind of harsh lines and not very warm and inviting, whereas a home can be completely different where it can also be harsh and not inviting. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an ongoing back and forth or tug of war, um, I guess, between the idea of like home and private and public and, um, I guess how you form an emotional attachment to bricks and wood and whatever else the house is made of. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not sure quite where that train of thought was headed. No, it's, it's okay. I'm still sort of wrapping my head around and still thinking about. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, you know, something, you know, I'm, I guess I was curious about in, in looking at your, um, your work And, you know, it's the sense of place is like so strong, right? Like you're you're giving us all these different viewpoints of a place. It's and then like, well, what does become a place? You know, what makes it a place, you know, that is is worth I don't want to say worth kind of memorializing, but like, you know, how does that a sense of place usually infers there's like an emotional attachment to it. Um, and yeah, it, I think that was kind of how the project um, through the art center got started where I was interviewing people. Cause prior to that, I'd kind of been looking a bit at Albany's architecture, but it was always from like the context of my own experiences or a mm-hmm. friend's apartment or mm-hmm. uh, a particular spot that I liked. Um, and it was always kind of a personal, like almost private connection to these places. And it, I started kind of feeling like it was not personal for other people. Mm-hmm. Like I almost felt like it was too like stuck in my own head and stuck in my own world that I started doing those interviews and thinking about these places from other people's perspectives too. Yeah. I guess there's been a, a couple of different ways that I've tried to approach that emotional attachment, whether it's been the interviews or whether it's been um, finding that connection between past and present uh, and sort of shining a light on how much the city has changed. And um, these places that are here in fragments still or partly gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's why in part when when we started, I, I, I asked where you had grown up because um most people, I don't want to say, and I, this is, I don't mean it in a, in a negative way, but like most people don't get attached to Albany. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does have kind of a reputation as a college town. Yeah, yeah. Albany, there's, you know, a whole bunch of college campuses that there's definitely a, a fair share, a fair share of people that come in, get their degree and move on. And, uh-huh. You know, well, I can see where that comes from. Yeah. But there's also a, a really strong arts community. There's um, a lot of really amazing things happening. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm kind of, I'm joking a little bit, um, but I, <laughs> I've always like loved Albany myself. Um, I'm not from Albany, but I, I've lived there at different points in my life. And um, it's a very unique city. Um, and I, I think for people who, who haven't lived there or experienced it, it's hard to fathom. Because um, driving through, it's like, mm, it's kind of ugly. And, you know, some of it, you know. Um, 
or they just have this, you know, weird, I, I don't know. I, I, um, after, um, after undergrad, I, um, I moved, uh, to New York. Uh, I did my undergrad at SUNY Purchase and I moved, uh, to New York, uh, city and, um, I, uh, was, uh, working in a rare bookstore. That was my second job. And I remember talking with, um, someone at the store once and they, uh, someone else overheard me saying how great uh, Albany, I thought Albany was. <laughs> and this guy, you know, this New Yorker took real offense to that. He's like, Oh, what is, you know, that's a, <laughs> you know, that place is nothing but a shithole and it's a bunch of, you know, crooked politicians and, you know, and I was like, no, yeah, it's really, so it's, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's a fun it's city. Shine and roses for sure. Albany's yeah, got yeah. It's a fair share of problems. And I mean, some of that I'm starting to dig into with, you know, thinking about how the plaza has changed the city and it mm-hmm. negatively impacted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also been some other ideas that I could explore down the road. Like as I've been going through these historical archives, sometimes I come across maps mm-hmm. um, and, you know, until a few years ago, I didn't really understand how recently or how much redlining affected neighborhoods um, economically and oh wow okay you can find maps of albany that are redlined and you can see the areas down by the river are you know considered bad on some of these maps arbor hills sometimes considered bad on some of these maps and Hmm. it's it's uncomfortable but it is impactful to see these maps and to see entire groups of people labeled in such a way yeah where are you get where are these archives from or like where are you accessing these some of the maps you can just search like historical maps on albany um Mm -hmm. i do remember one website i don't remember what the url was but one website for sure you could just kind of set like a, a a range of years that you wanted to look at um and find that range of years. Uh, it's interesting to see when, you know, certain streets start to pop up and um, the redlining maps. I'm not sure exactly where I came across that. There's also a project called 98 acres mm-hmm. that was done by a group of people who were looking at the history of the plaza and trying to reconstruct um, maps of what had been there and trying to kind of gather stories from people who had lived there. So they were a really good resource. Oh, um, just to like be able to read through some of these old, old interviews and be able to see some more historical photographs. What's that called um, again? Um, that project was called 98 Acres because oh. that was the, the square footage of the footprint of the plaza. Oh, my God. Um, wow. Yeah. 98 Acres is a lot. <laughs> I, I didn't I wouldn't think it was that much, but that's super interesting. Huh. Wow. That's massive. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. That's really interesting. I, I just, um, yeah, I mean, those, those ideas are, um, super, um, current and like def, you know, like, you know, worth examining and, um, looking farther into. That's really interesting. The, hmm. I, you know, I was curious a little bit about it because you, you mentioned, um, archives, and I thought maybe like you were going to the New York State Museum. Uh, the archives I haven't there. Yeah, someday I'll get down there to be able yeah. to actually dig through stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's a cool resource. Um, me and my, um, I don't know, it was one year. My, me and my youngest daughter, uh, she's nine, so this was a few years ago. Like I, I don't know, it was summer, and I think like every week we just went to the museum because <laughs> it was like hot out, you know, and it's like easy. <laughs> easy to yeah, just like conditioned, free fun yeah and we just walked around and we like examined every exhibit and we just kind of we really like um it, we kind of ran out of stuff to examine after a few weeks so i was like oh let's go to the second floor and like let's poke around there so we went up to the archives and it's so cool like you can just kind of like buzz around like nothing's like like there's nothing you can't look at, you know? And like, we just like looked at like, um, you know, like the, 
you know, the first year the Times Union came out, you know, it's like they have all that stuff. Um, so that was like really, that was, that was fun. Um, it, it's just a, it's an interesting place. Um, and I'm sure they have old maps or, you know, um, that seems really super interesting. And maps are just kind of beautiful to look at and in general, you know, like the, the shapes and all the stuff. Um, one thing I, before we finish up, I'm, um, I, um, I just want to ask you a little bit about um, is the Smallbany Gallery and like where that idea came from and like what I guess, you know, I kind of sent you that question beforehand, like why have a miniature gallery? <laughs> and, um, so Smallbany was massively inspired by um, another miniature gallery run out of Boston, um, and that gallery is called Shelter in Place, mm. um, and it actually lives in MFA Boston now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but the person who runs that started that um, really early in COVID. Like, I want to say it was like April or May, and this thing was already up and running and doing shows of Boston artists. Uh, and so I saw that. I stumbled across that online somewhere and was like, oh, that would be really fun to make a miniature gallery. And then I can make um, art that I wouldn't be able to make full scale. And I kind of started out thinking like, oh, this will be just for me for like mock-ups and things. Oh, okay. Um, but wait, what if we did a like a local regional thing like they're doing in Boston, but with Albany? And um, it kind of just grew from there. I didn't realize uh, that it came out of the pandemic. Yeah, I think our first show was July of 2020. Our first show was Victoria Vanderland in um, July that year. Okay. Yeah, it it fit really well with um, sort of where, like, hey, I thought it would be fun to build a, a miniature space. You know, I ended up staining popsicle sticks and making the floor and everything. Um, but it also fit with where I was feeling with the world like I was so tired of even in you know spring of 2020 at the beginning of this I was already done with virtual teaching and zoom meetings and all of these virtual art shows that were just artworks on a white screen I mean not that there's anything wrong with that there's a place for that <laughs> and it's better than you know no art show but I was annoyed with it and um you know, this is all real artwork. It's just small, but now it looks huge. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It really does. It's like so, it's so, um, what do you call it? It's so deceiving, you know? And <clears throat> I mean, one of the most striking things I, I think I've seen in the gallery is that piece that you made with um, the translucent, plexiglass like that etched I mean that was so cool that was another printmaking without printmaking piece it was all it would have been considered a dry point etching just on plexiglass like hand you know stabbed into the plastic um, but it was a whole series of those that I had attached together um, with metal rods and kind of suspended above the space I don't know how I would ever do something like that at full mm -hmm. scale in real life I mean mm -hmm. that is a real piece of artwork, you know, but, um, yeah, that was another way to kind of explore the layering. And I think that one was also a lot of past and present. Mm -hmm. Now, well, that piece, so you, you drew that by hand on there? Well, I did drawings on paper and then I would lay the, the clear sheets of the plexiglass over it. And, um, there's a dry point etching tool. That's pretty much just a really sharp, durable point. Um, so Yeah. It looks like a computer did it. You can do etchings using a computer. I've seen some that have been done, um, whether it's like laser burned relief prints or mm -hmm. uh, or like laser done um, etchings. But I've just never had access to that kind of technology. Oh, that's so funny. I really looking at that. I thought you like had someone like maybe I didn't look at it close enough, but it looks so perfect the way that like the plexiglass is well, when you put enough layers of things together, the mistakes kind of disappear. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I'm just thinking about myself cause I'm like so clumsy and I would be like, you know, uh, you know, drawing on something 
you know, a perfect surface like plexiglass and my hand would just like slip across it or something. That happened enough times. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Um, well, not good, but that's, that's, I guess, reassuring. Um, that's funny. So it's so funny. I, in my head, if someone said to me, the Small Bunny Gallery started, what was it, two years ago? It was July of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been seeing those posts forever. And I would have never thought that it came out of the pandemic. Well, that's, it's been almost two years. It's been well, a long I, two I years. <laughs> two years. Yeah, it is a long time. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but even that instinct to like make uh, a little gallery and then it's just so it's so funny. You have such a wide skill set. It's like really I would never take on like a miniature gallery. Like, I just, I wouldn't, it's just, like, seems so, like, oh, that's not what I do. But that's really funny. There's definitely been a lot of it that's been a, a learning process that I've gone through it. And uh-huh. it's been really great for, like, just learning more about all the artists we have in the area and, and about artists from beyond mm. you know, the region. Yeah. I mean, I would be even, like, just intimidated to, like, make something for the gallery. Like, oh, it's got to be small. You know, like, I'm like, I, I don't know if I could do that. I don't, you know, it's like weird to me, but I would be like, it's like the easiest person. Like I would just like, oh, I'll just print it small. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, but I, I guess I just overthink things. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's been kind of one challenge in the space is I've tried to avoid things that have been just printed small. So as a result, yeah. there's kind of a gap when it comes to photography. I haven't shown many photographers, even though I feel like I should be representing artists from all kinds of disciplines Mm -hmm. what's the like what's the what's the most surprising thing that you've shown in the space oh that's a good question the most surprising I mean I'm with most shows I'm always a little bit surprised because I kind of tend to just approach artists or sometimes I have artists that approach (coughs) me excuse um, me I just kind of give them the dimensions of the space and I've got like a rough idea of the, the things that they tend to do or, mm-hmm. or the processes that they tend to use. And then sometimes artworks get dropped off and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> right. Um, but in terms of like the specific most surprising show, I feel like one of the more recent ones that had an element of surprise was Mindy McDaniel's show. Mm. She did. Um, a whole that was cool. Yeah, a whole room, well, I mean, miniature room, but a whole miniature room of slip cast ceramic sculptures. Um, She literally filled the gallery. Like if that had been a real space, you would have had enough room to open the door and look in and then that would have been it. There was no Uh space to move around. Um, But these slip cast uh, ceramic sculptures were all creatures. Um, There were a few on the walls that were holding these flags um, and they looked sort of like elephants at first, but then you'd look closer and you'd see that there were wings for ears and that the nose or snout was like a seal's head. And um, and on the floor, she covered it with these like rabbit centaur-esque creatures. They were like combined pieces from other ceramics, like rabbits and bunny sculptures, but some of them would have uh, like extra legs or they're most of them had two heads like sort of stuck on opposite ends with you know whatever number of legs I think they all had between like four and like eight limbs um but I think the most surprising thing about that one was just how much you could keep digging into it like I never ran out of things to say about that show Mm -hmm. um just because there were so many possible interpretations to all of the sort of chaos that she put in the gallery um, and all of those like rabbits that looked like they'd be playing tug of war if they were to come to life. Um, so that was a fun surprise. There's been a lot of good surprises with the space. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. It just sits over. <laughs> it's like sitting over there in the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a few feet away from you. Um, do you ever feel like <sighs> there's like a weird like? Do you ever? like just feel like unique in that you're the only one who like really sees it as in person. (laughs) Yeah. It does sometimes feel a little bit like, wait, this is kind of all just for me. I mean, my husband's (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> the studio is in my house and the gallery is in my studio. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, in terms of not many people get to see it. Um, we did a pop-up in the fall at Albany Center Gallery where I kind of unpacked the art and put the gallery in my car and then reinstalled everything in the gallery for an afternoon. Uh-huh. Um, and we're hoping to do some more of those. It's just a matter of seeing what mm-hmm. um, case counts look like and when it feels safe enough to be able to do that again. I mean, again. The, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, personally, I feel like I... Like, I, I think the beauty of it is that, like, it's this thing that only exists in the way that you photograph it. Yeah. I mean, there are people that think it's real. Like, every time I hear from an artist <laughs> that's, you know, come to pick up their artwork, they're like, oh, my God, my friends thought it was real. They wanted to come visit it. And like, oh. well, it's real, but it's not real, real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's. And you do a great know. job photographing Thank it. You in the lighting and it looks so it just looks so great um it's really beautiful disappointing in real life in some ways just because of how different the photographs are um whereas like you know when we did bring it down to albany center gallery it wasn't sitting in that you know beautiful sunlight that i only get like 15 minutes of a day right yeah you know all these things so it's I feel like it does kind of exist best in that weird virtual real but not real state. Well, there's that like photographer, James Casebeer. Do you ever look at his work? He makes models. It's uh, James Casebeer. I don't know if I know him. And he builds these spaces and then he photographs them. And like he's never shown anyone the models because he's oh. like you would just be incredibly disappointed if you saw that. <laughs> so, yeah. You yeah, know, I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> the magic of the, the camera lens is, you know, is is so powerful. Um, well, speaking of powerful, your work is powerful and it's really um, fun to talk to you and um, hear more about it. Um, so thanks so much and um, I apologize again for all the back and forth craziness <laughs> it's like oh, nice. it was um, fun to talk to you too yeah and uh, it's great to hear more about um, your miniature gallery and uh, I hope it keeps going thank you